Welcome to the Purple Path with a Yell, a podcast where we explore what it means to live a life in pursuit of radical authenticity. This is a space for vulnerability and softness, where we explore soul medicine in all its forms and dive deeper into our own healing. I am your host, Ayel, and today is episode eight. As some of you might know, I recently arrived in Portugal after having spent the last six months traveling through Asia. And the first thing that happened as I arrived was that I picked up a really nasty viral infection. So I've spent the first week in bed feeling lousy, but I've gotten myself some reishi, elderberry tincture, and lots and lots of lemon and garlic, and I am feeling a lot better. So I'm really happy to be able to bring you this beautiful conversation with Natalie Smith, who is an intuitive self-development coach. This conversation was super nourishing to me, and it actually felt a lot like I was in my very own spiritual alignment session with Natalie, and I hope you'll find it just as nourishing and insightful as I did. In this episode, we talk about spiritual awakenings, how to develop your intuitive gifts, exploring astrology, connecting with your spirit team and your ancestors, the concept of sacred rage, alchemy, and ancestral healing. Natalie serves as an intuitive self-development coach, specializing in guiding individuals on their path of inner discovery. She employs a blend of methods, such as harnessing the power of the universe whilst utilizing coaching and neuro-linguistic programming techniques to optimize her clients' outcomes. With her wealth of experience, Natalie has guided numerous clients on a one-on-one basis through challenging and significant life transitions. If you're embarking on a journey of inner exploration and development, she offers spiritual alignment sessions or long-term coaching to accompany you on your path of conscious evolution. In addition to the free resources on her website, she also has a blog and a podcast. There she shares her creative writing and imparts wisdom and teachings on spirituality, healing, and other intriguing subjects. And for this week's Patreon bonus, Natalie is sharing an exclusive discount of her services for Patreon subscribers of this podcast at the $3 level. It's a 20% off for a package of four spiritual alignment sessions with Natalie, and you can find it at patreon.com slash the purple path. In addition to this, I am also going to be sharing one of my home remedies for flu season, which I promise you works wonders. One of the things that we talk about in this episode is how we can connect with our ancestors through food. And this is definitely one of my favorite ancestral foods from Iran. And it also just so happens to be perfect for fighting off colds and flus during the winter months. So I'll be leaving that recipe on the Patreon as well. And there's also a link in the show notes. The purpose of this Patreon is to keep this podcast completely ad-free and to build a community for further resources related to the things that we talk about on this podcast. So thank you so, so much to those of you who are already there. And for those of you who are still on the fence, there is a seven-day free trial if you'd like to try it out. Okay, now without further ado, let's dive into episode eight of The Purple Path with the wonderful and insightful Natalie Smith. Hi, Natalie, and welcome to The Purple Path. Hey, and thank you for having me on. I'm so grateful to be here. Yeah, it's so good to have you here. Um, One of the first things that I noticed about you when I was first introduced to your content was how you really strike me as someone who has undergone deep metamorphosis in this lifetime. Uh, just from like the videos you post to the blog posts that you share on your substacks and the beautiful insight and poetry that you write. So I'd really love to start off um, with just having you tell everyone a little bit more about you and what you do and what your journey's been like. Well, so <laughs> I have been on this journey for three years now. And before my journey, I I've worked in charity organizations, I've worked in local government, and really it was a it got to a point in my life where I needed to make changes. And I was operating unconsciously through my experience and I'd lost touch of myself. 
so I then was launched into this spiritual awakening and was just blazing this trail, following my intuition, following the guidance from something that I wasn't yet fully attuned to. And as a result, I've been on this insane transformation, really just completely changing everything in my life to align myself with who I truly am. And now I work as an intuitive self-development coach and support other people on their journey of transformation and getting back in touch with who they truly are rather than who they've been told to be. Mm, That's so beautiful. I love that. And yeah, that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is um, if you could elaborate on, on what it means to be an intuitive spiritual development coach and also, you know, how a coaching session might work or look like, because I think a lot of people would be interested in hearing a little bit more about um, what this type of coaching looks like in practice. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I actually use a combination of modalities. And the so some of the things that I use are counseling techniques, coaching, neurolinguistic programming, whilst also working with the flow of the universe. So moon cycles, astrology, working with the seasons to really help people to get into a flow whilst also using practical things to support them in making practical changes in their life. So this could be things such as your health and your lifestyle or your career or your, the ways in which you are thinking your like mentality, your spiritual self and helping you to find your center and just developing as a person. So whatever that is and whatever the, the client needs or whatever it is that somebody's seeking on their path, then we really do a, a deep dive and exploration whilst setting goals and moving forward and creating a space where they can unravel those things that are stopping them from growing. Mm, yeah I love that I feel like it can be quite tricky sometimes to understand how to navigate say your like spiritual gifts or intuitive gifts when they are actually such a crucial part of what helps you kind of realign with this path right and Mm -hmm. um, to really get the most out of this self-growth journey um but yeah, it, it can be it can be difficult if you haven't like grown up with the terminology. Like most of us haven't, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, to um, to kind of get back in t- in touch with that um, has been really interesting for me as well. Like, I only recently mm-hmm. started to really think about like what are my spiritual gifts in a sense of like how um, how are they most pronounced in my own mm-hmm. kind of human fra- fabric and um mm-hmm. I've come to realize that I'm a clairsentient first and foremost and we have these words for it like empath and um highly sensitive right but mm-hmm. we often just kind of conceptualize it in in these like sciency terms more so than actually acknowledging like no that those are actually part of your um spiritual gifts um mm-hmm. yeah but I think that we're not we're not so often told that that we really realize that oh this is something I can develop and work with and actually that can help me dive deeper into my own healing journey and that it's a super mm-hmm. valuable tool so yeah I would I would love to just hear about um what are some of your um intuitive gifts that you've been working with and and how have you gone about developing them well <laughs> Wow. So firstly, I do just want to go on from the point you're saying about the terminology that's used in and the, and the gifts as well. And immediately as you said that, I, I, an instant thought of this is an inner journey. And anybody that is listening and is on that inner journey, then you may find that, yes, you identify some of your, some of your gifts. But also, as you mentioned, it's a a journey of exploration and developing those gifts and then revisiting, oh, this is something that is a part of me and this is something that I can develop. And I remember when I 
I would say early on in my experience, I it more seeing. I'm I, I suppose you could call it clairvoyant, and I, I generally don't use the terminology that's used in the spiritual community. It's for me, it's just a it's my experience, and but I suppose if you were to put a word to it, yes, clairvoyance. I I like to see things. I can easily visualize. I can easily tap into the feelings and to like it's right there like I'm I can be I don't even have to close my eyes I'm just I could just be present and I can feel and I can see so those are my two strongest gifts and funnily enough I remember when (laughs) I remember it was probably about oh god two years ago now and for the first time I was I was with a group of people and I began to feel my energy so strongly and I thought, oh, this is this is a new experience to me. It's like I've, it's like I've unlocked something. And I was saying to the person that I'm with, oh, you know, I can, I can really feel your energy, and I can feel my energy too. And it's actually, it's quite jarring. It's quite invasive. And over time, as I have developed my understanding of my own energy, and discerning what feels good to my body what doesn't feel good navigating where the energy is sitting inside of me and how that manifests in my experience have all been ways that I have developed my ability to feel but also with that you can develop your ability to feel but in my experience it's not always the most pleasant experience because you're, it's great if you're around people who also have good, good energy or, you know, you're connecting with things that feel good for you. But if you're not, and if you're, like for example, if I'm, if I'm watching, the, I don't know, if I'm watching a, a program and it actually happened the other day and I want to cry even thinking about it, and I'm not going to mention it was kind of gruesome and normally I close my eyes and I you know, cover my ears because I'm just so sensitive to it and it will stay in my mind and it will, and I will feel it so deeply. And I just, it's really, really difficult for me to look at some things. And, but for this instance, I, I didn't see it coming and I saw it and I keep now even like I'm back in that situation where I'm watching the gruesome thing that was happening and feeling it and seeing it in my mind and that's the for me one of the I would say the not so positive aspects of feeling so much and really putting myself in situations where it's putting myself in situations where it feels more conducive to the energy in which I want to embody rather than attuning to things that aren't necessarily good for my physical emotional and spiritual well-being yeah I really resonate with that. And I think that it's a really important step to to learn to recognize that and honor it in a way, like you were saying about um, being intentional and mindful about what you, uh, what environments you're in, or even, you know, mm-hmm. what you watch and all of these things. Um, I feel like during the last few years, as I've gone more inwards and really started to explore who I am on on like a deeper level I've had to retreat from a lot of outside factors that maybe I was numbing myself to previously Mm -hmm. and the more I've kind of gone on this inward journey the less I am able to numb myself and therefore Mm -hmm. I'm feeling it even stronger than before and it's not like I wasn't feeling it before I definitely was Mm -hmm. but I am acknowledging it now instead of kind of gaslighting myself and saying like oh like you know just overriding that sensation I am instead taking it you know more seriously and understanding like how deeply and profoundly these things affect me and um and therefore being just yeah more mindful with with everything um even just I mean I stopped drinking alcohol like six months ago and Mm -hmm. and that was one thing that would um you know, as a, as a highly sensitive person, I think helped me override my sensitivity in a way. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not necessarily for my own <laughs> good, <laughs> you know, um, it was easier to to be in situations where I could, you know, pretend to be, quote unquote, more normal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think it's like a, it's a dangerous crutch to end up leaning on when you, you end up using these like outside um, things, whether it's alcohol or any other kind of numbing technique to actually avoid um these things that are so innate to us, like these gifts, which is, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. what they are, even though, as you say, <laughs> at times it can be really overwhelming and jarring and, and not actually is a super nice experience, but it's mm-hmm. about kind of learning how to um, interact with them and, and what it actually means. And I think yeah. that reframing the sensitivity as a, as a gift has been really, um, really healing for me at least. Mm. And yeah, you know what, and and with that, and being aware of the things that are triggering to you, or the things, or your own numbing techniques, and the things that you use to override that sensitivity. And if you can take that time to really explore these parts of yourself, and ask yourself, what are my go-to techniques? And what do I, what do I do when I'm trying to dampen this feeling that I'm experiencing? Is it, and why am I doing it as well? So you mentioned alcohol, and there's another one was coming to mind, for, which is something that I've had to be very mindful of, which is social media, and making sure that I'm not numbing, and which is why I, I actually don't spend a lot of time on social media anymore. And before I had my awakening, I didn't spend much time on social media anyway. And I think that it, that was the most natural path for me. However, running a business and connecting with people and sharing things, just being on social media is the place to be. And for, for me, as not only a person that's just trying to navigate life, but also as someone that's trying to support people on their path, really taking the time to evaluate, am I on social media um, and am I numbing? Or am I on social media? Am I using it for a purpose? And am I doing the thing that I said I'm going to do and then removing myself from a space which doesn't feel aligned or doesn't make me, doesn't fill me up? And if it's not refilling my cup, then it's draining it. And if it's draining it, I need to be mindful of how I'm spending my time doing that thing. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. It's such a gnarly relationship to navigate, right, with social media. Mm-hmm. Because just like you're saying, I mean, I love the aspect of it that, you know, helps us connect and support each other. And I mean, you know, like meeting you, <laughs> that's thanks yeah. of social media, us being introduced to each other. And that's been a really beautiful experience this past year. I feel like I've used social media more so for authentic connection than I have ever before. And so that's mm-hmm. been a really helpful reframing rather than, you know, just mindlessly scrolling and comparing my life to other people. But that still happens. Right. And, uh, and it's so funny you mention it because like even though I feel like I've started developing a better relationship with social media this past year, like just this past week, for example, I uh, was sick. I caught uh, a cold on the flight to Portugal. And uh, so the the entire first week that I spent in Portugal, I was just in bed and just feeling lousy. And I was just, you know, scrolling because it's like the only thing I had energy to do. And I really started to notice how I I started going back into these negative loops, you know, and how when you're just not moving and you're in bed and like all you're doing is just like, yeah, watching people's stories or whatnot, watching the news. Mm. Oh, it really, really starts to, it's like the the voice in your head starts to take on a different, um, a different voice, you know, like suddenly I had this, um, this negative, like kind of chit chatter that, you know, even like, um, like when I'm at my most like healthy and like fulfilled the, that, that voice does not sound like that. And that's how you know it's not you, right? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just so interesting how it can flip like that, how it can really change, like just, you know, because of your circumstances. And and I mean, that is why, like, when we have, for example, big life changes or something challenging happens, 
there is that always that kind of little danger that that voice is going to start taking over the narrative again. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it is really important to find a balance in all of these things and to just catch it when it starts happening, I think, and just be like, oh, okay, whoa, I need to, to switch this up a little bit change that around <laughs> and just, yeah, <laughs> switch the narrative. And absolutely, but there's also got to be an awareness of the aspects of yourself and the, I would, I want to call it your, like, your higher voice, the voice where you're saying, you know, when you are fulfilled or when you are feeling good, what is that voice in your head? How are you feeling? What's your experience? What are some of the things that you engage in? And then when you kind of rear into these aspects of yourself that, the, there is a negative voice, there is that negative chatter, and maybe you're not feeling so good about yourself. Okay, so what's changing What's changing your routine? What things are you engaging with? Who are you spending your time around? And how can you begin to just create that buffer between the higher aspects of your voice and the lower aspects of your voice, and accepting where you are at that moment in time, and then beginning to make those conscious steps to move you towards a, a place where you are feeling more aligned and more fulfilled in your experience. And only by the observation and through the practicing of these aspects of yourself can you really begin to consciously align yourself in a, a, a way which is yeah, more aligned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. And um, I think it's so important, you know, what you said about putting yourself in into certain environments or questioning sometimes if there are environments that um, that are not conducive. Like it's interesting to me because oftentimes in um, these like spiritual realms, right? People always say like, mm. "Oh, it's not your environment; it's it's within you." You know, you just have to go mm. within. You can't change, you know, yourself <laughs> by changing your exterior. And the thing is, like, I would mm. like to differ honestly. Mm. In my experience. Um, there are certain places uh, that do hold a certain like lower frequency that will mm-hmm. suck your frequency into that frequency, right? And it's absolutely really difficult. To, like for example, like, even if if you come from a toxic home, for example, it's that that is a lower frequency that is very easy to get sucked into. It's very triggering. Like all of your wounds are you know there in the open, uh, and it's it's extremely hard to be in a home like that and then maintain some kind of high you know uh frequency so i do really think that there's something to be said for um just knowing when to switch things up and when Mm -hmm. it's time for for a change of environment i i do feel like um yeah sometimes changing your environment can at least give you that space to breathe and to feel Mm. like um you have space to just explore these other sides of yourself and not just be constantly pulled back into your triggers. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I completely agree with you there. And obviously when you, if you are in a situation where perhaps you can't find a a way away from that environment, because there's all sorts of situations that people are in and identifying the things aside from that environment where you do feel more fulfilled or you feel more balanced or you feel just aligned with who you are truly as an individual, then how can you begin to take steps to put yourself in those environments more often? And for some people that may be places such as the library or online communities or maybe an after-school club or spending time with a co-worker after work, whatever it is and wherever those environments are, if you can identify them and then begin to put yourself more in those environments, you're spending more time with the truest version of yourself rather than if you're in environments, as you said, where they are at a lower frequency and you're being dragged down by that energy. And if you're in those environments all the time, then what kind of effect is that having on your mental health, on your spiritual health, your emotional health? And just being mindful of your inner experience in different environments to support you in 
feeling your your most favorite version of self and just coming back to that that inner abundance and identifying the places where you can access that inner abundance Mm, yeah definitely another thing that I wanted to talk about is um, something that I think a lot of people on a healing journey yearn for is Mm -hmm. a deeper connection to source right and Mm -hmm. to our spirit teams or that's definitely been the case for me Um, and I'd love to hear a little bit about how you communicate with your spirit team and also for those listening that are new to this concept do you mind sharing your interpretation of what a spirit team is yeah absolutely so I'm gonna be very honest here and what I have observed and witnessed in my own experience that a relationship with something otherworldly or not bound to the material realm, it comes at a cost. And that cost is what is happening on the material realm. So the ways in which I connect with my guides is I, I speak out loud all the time. I trust that they're there and they will show me that they're there when I need that confirmation I feel and I get senses and this may be part of a loved ones or just an energy. There's just such a profound energy and sometimes it just filters through every cell in my body. I can't deny the experience. And over several years, practicing just attuning to myself helps me to attune to my guides. So when I say guides, I I refer to, as I said, I I work a lot with my ancestors and I have a a little, what's it called? Um, uh, Like an ancestor, what's it called? Um, (laughs) I know, I I think I know what you're (laughs) you're trying to do. Like an altar, an ancestral altar. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. So I have an altar and I... uh, and I, I do, I connect, I connect through meditations and for me, it's just energy. It's, uh, it's, it's different source energy on a different frequency, which is supporting the navigation of me on this physical plane. So I myself are at a particular frequency and that frequency is always changing. And I see my guides as energy beings that can go between different realms and identify different frequencies move between these frequencies to support me in my conscious evolution and my ancestors being the energy which filters through my dna and supports me in feeling connected to my life experience so that's why i like to work with both because i do have a tendency or i have had a tendency to lean more into higher frequencies and really trying to just connect with those higher frequencies and now well more so when I began to work more with my ancestors and more of my roots it helps to ground and it helps to offer balance to my experience and yeah I can't remember the the exact initial question that you asked but that's my that's my interpretation connect connection with my spiritual guides yeah no that that's beautiful there's so many things that I'd love to get into what you just said. But uh, first of all, have you ever done a DNA test? No, no, I just, yeah, no, just because um, I just find it so fascinating, like in terms of working with the ancestors, right? Um, mm-hmm. Tracing back, you know, physically, but also obviously through your feeling, uh. but how you, um, kind of consciously call out to these ancestors, right? And, and because we are in this physical realm, right? So there are different mm-hmm. ways in which we can call upon, you know, them and their guidance. And mm. so, yeah, that's something that I did a DNA test a few years ago, and it really, it was, um, it was just really beautiful to see like all of these different parts and knowing that it, you know, the DNA test that you can take most of them just show you kind of like seven generations back. So it is quite mm-hmm. recent, but it's 
it's really cool to see how much is in there just in the past like seven generations or so. And to then mm-hmm. uh, kind of consciously try and draw upon that energy of just having, because um, we only have so much to work with, right? And and a lot of us, mm-hmm. a lot of us have a very limited understanding of where we're from, actually. Um, and um, and yeah, and so I love just this concept of like intentionally diving into our ancestry in any ways that we can, like maybe even just. Uh, you know, I was listening to this podcast where we, they were talking about how one of the ways to connect with your ancestors through food is like one of the mm-hmm. most profound ways to get that um, mm-hmm. that communication going. And so it's just interesting to me um, to think about, you know, these different places and then maybe, you know, diving into different food, food cultures from these places mm-hmm. and, and tapping into that energy in that way. Yeah, so I was just I was just curious <laughs> if you knew. <laughs> well, I, you know what my I, I I don't know fully, and my mum has done a she's gone a bit back on the ancestry, and I haven't had an opportunity to look at the the chart yet or to look at the you know the history. But yeah, definitely, uh, I know that there is a bit of a, Italian, and I have a tendency. To, so I remember, I think it was probably around two years ago now, I began trying to make my own pasta sauce, and I was shit. <laughs> it, it was the shittest pasta. It, it really was. I, I've, I've got to give myself grace when I say it, but it was shit. <laughs> it was so watery, and the flavor was just next to none. So um, <laughs> over the years, I have actually... <laughs> I've, I've, I, well, for me, I've been working with my ancestors. Like, give us a little little bit of divine inspiration what should I put into this pasta and genuinely I love my pasta now I think it tastes absolutely amazing and I've definitely developed my sauce over time and for me offering food and doing offerings it helps me to feel connected to helps me to feel connected to yeah my, my ancestry and my and to spirit really and also now I've got better pasta, in my own Amazing. humble opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just it's funny how uh, I think up until this year I never heard anybody talk about you know how cooking can really be a way to connect with your ancestors. I mean, in our mm-hmm. culture in general, nobody really talks about connecting to your ancestors, uh, which is such a shame, right? And um, mm. and so yeah, I just find it really fascinating to. Um, to kind of dive deeper into really being intentional about what are some of the ways in which we can open these lines of communication and, um, and really start to get these intuitive hunches and nudges and and support. Yeah. And so I think that's a really, (laughs) it's a really beautiful way of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And just off the back of that, of course, there's several other ways to connect and, even if it's just not connected with your ancestors or your spirit team, however. But meditation, me- meditations for me are brilliant and just being in silence. Mm. And I have like these little pop-ups in my brain and, you know, maybe like a little nudge to go do a meditation or to, I don't know, I try to listen to my intuition a lot, which can sometimes be really irritating because <laughs> I want to put logic to stuff and I'm I'm so used to, my experience beforehand was very logic based and my work was very logical and so then practicing and uh, fine-tuning these aspects of myself and allow myself to listen to those little hunches firstly has been very useful and worth it but secondly I suppose it's a whole it's been a whole learning curve but it does help me to feel more connected to spirit so yeah I was going to mention the, um, so you sent me a guided meditation for connecting with an ancestor, right? That was you a few, like a month or two back. Do you remember? I send people a lot of things. (laughs) If I feel like someone could benefit from something, I will just send it to them. So maybe I did. Yeah, it it was really beautiful. It's like you walk through this... um, uh, this road of like yew trees. Old oh, ancient. the yew tree yes. 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 Yep. Yeah, that mm-hmm. one. So I'm going to put that in the show notes, actually. 
if anybody mm-hmm. wants to kind of just dive into connecting to an ancestor and maybe just start getting a feel for what's there mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful beautiful starting place so thank you for sending that to me and um yeah i'm gonna put it in the show notes um, you're welcome yeah and it was really interesting and when i did it i connected to what seemed to be a witch from scotland um, mm-hmm. from like the medieval times and she gave me a ceremonial dagger mm-hmm. and uh, it was really beautiful uh, <laughs> and um, yeah it's just it, it's interesting to me because I've never really fully embraced the ancestry from my mom's side so my mm-hmm. mom is Swedish and my dad is from Iran and um I've kind of grown up in this sense of like not feeling like I belong entirely to one line or the other. And because I look a lot more like my dad, I have brown hair, I have brown skin, brown eyes. I've, you know, growing up in Sweden, I didn't really feel, um, I didn't really feel like I belonged. Mm. And so I think that subconsciously I've really kind of rejected that side of my ancestry and felt you know not welcomed even though it's like it's not like my ancestors didn't welcome me it's just that I I didn't feel that sense of belonging in Sweden so I didn't really pay attention to developing that sense of um, connection to my ancestry on that side but when I took the DNA test one of the things that came up was we have about 11 percent um, of ancestry from uh, England, Wales, and Scotland, and oh. Ireland, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it was all grouped in there together. And I, yeah, I was just really fascinated by it. And then obviously Scandinavia as well, um, as a whole, there's a lot in there. But yeah, it just um, broadened my perspective on it <laughs> a lot and made me really curious um, about, you know, where where it comes from and and how many different stories are in there you know it's it's baffling Mm. to even think about just how many ancestors we have and um yeah (laughs) yes a hundred percent you know I actually seen a post about it the other day and I've seen it before but it was like a little reminder and I think it was 4,716 and don't quote me on the number, but it's that's how many ancestors for, I think it was maybe seven generations back or 11 generations back. I can't think off the top of my head. But it really actually is insightful. And I remember when I'd seen it and I thought, shit, you know, here I am, a product of my ancestors and all of those stories and all of those experiences and I, those stories and experiences have also ran through my experience as well. And which I suppose is putting the whole end to, you know, what they say is generational curses and really allowing cycles which have been playing out for far too long, which are detrimental to your well-being and the well-being of people around you and allowing those stories to end and creating new ones and really just offered, definitely offered perspective and when going back to that meditation as well, when you when I do that meditation, because that that's the one I do, and I will just connect with an ancestor, allow whichever one to come through, and really I just sit with their presence, and I and I see, and I really just allow them to feed into me the energy which is is what I need at that time, and but then when you think about it, that is a that is an individual who has lived a conscious experience on earth and has now passed over and here I am the product of it's just mind-bending it really is and and I think it's so cool also to think about the maternal line and how Mm. like tracing it back it's like every woman in your line is somebody that gave birth for you to be here today you know, mm. one woman gave birth to a woman who gave birth to a woman who gave birth to a woman mm-hmm. in an unbroken line, tracing yeah. all the way back to the very, wow. very beginnings of humanity. <laughs> like, mm. how cool is that? <laughs> that is that is pretty insane. When you, when you, yeah, when you just say, just say that, yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah, I love thinking about it. 
Um, So another thing that I wanted to talk to you about is how you stay anchored in what feels truly authentic to you. As you know, uh, on this podcast, we explore what it means to live a life in pursuit of radical authenticity. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to find out what are some of the tools that you lean on in order to really connect to your unique path, despite all the doubts and projections from the world around us. I'd say I'm pretty strong-headed anyway. I I always have been quite forthright in my thinking and my individuality. And but to really I think on the well on my spiritual journey there was a lot of wishy-washy energy and almost being pulled in different directions. And to really anchor myself in who I am, I would just think back to who I was. And For me, it's been very, very important. Like, I would scream to the heavens, saying, I just need to get back to myself. And what I was referring to was just the the radical authenticity and the radical pursuit of doing the things that just feel right and attuned to wherever I am whenever I'm doing them. So when I was a child... What did I used to do when I was a child? And am I doing those things now? Which brought along, that was brought along with the path of inner child healing. So now I ask myself, am I dancing? Am I singing? Am I creating? Am I laughing my head off at things because I find myself absolutely hilarious? Am I writing poetry? And if I'm not doing any of those things, then immediately I know that I'm not fully connected with my inner child. And if I don't allow myself to have fun when I'm not working or when I'm not supporting other people, then I'm not aligned with myself. And really just tuning into that. What is it that I like to do for fun and genuinely just doing it? And more recently it's been a who was I before my awakening? Who was I before I had this conscious awareness of this other aspect of myself? And if I hadn't integrated that part of me, then I wouldn't be whole in my experience right now, which is, again, a path of just being who I am and doing my own thing just because I like it. (laughs) Yeah. And talking about doing your own thing um one of the things that you've been exploring a lot lately is astrology right and Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could speak some more about how that passion has developed for you and just what excites you the most about it yes I I am slightly laughing I'm chucking in a little bit because I can if I take an interest in something and I will just keep going I would just keep learning and discovering and finding new ways to explore my interest like my little special interest and I was actually uh, thinking about this yesterday and it actually started at the beginning of my awakening and following my intuition and my higher self was like yeah write a blog and and then I started putting stuff off about astrology and at the time, I, I knew that I was a, a Cancer Sun and a Taurus Moon and a Leo Ascendant. And this newfound information to me was so bewildering. I thought, oh my goodness, there's so much more than just a sun sign. <laughs> and I began to just make, um, I think it was just a, a series of posts of the signs throughout the zodiac. And then as my path unfolded, I really actually moved away from astrology for about a year or so. And then I was guided back to a space of, okay, well, I'm not just a, you know, a Cancer Sun, Taurus Moon, Leo Ascendant. I've got all of these parts. And for me, it was, I really delved into the experience and delved into astrology by trying to understand the fundamental makings of me as a person and how energy had manifested in physical form. And essentially, I was trying to understand myself. And I just kept digging deeper. And 
through digging deeper, was finding all of these things about myself. And whilst admittedly, at, at first it started as, oh, well, I'm reading on Cafe Astrology that it says that I'm a, a Taurus moon in the 10th house. So this is what my experience is going to be like. And I, I just took that for what it was. However, as I've evolved on my journey and matured in my understanding of myself, come to realize that there's so many different facets and the interplay of energy. And then through wanting to understand more, I was like, okay, let's, what, what are the cycles saying? And how do the cycles affect me? And then looking back on things and my experiences over my awakening, well, what prompted this? And what was my emotional experience at this time when I was, let's say, for example, navigating Scorpio season? And what were the things that I was attuned to? And then as I've developed an understanding of myself internally and understanding how different things are affecting my personal experience, I've really just began to bring it into what I'm doing just in general life and really it's just unfolded from there and I look forward to continuing to study really and and deepening my understanding yeah no it's super interesting um what would be your advice for someone who was wanting to explore this further like where would they start and maybe what are some of the tools that you're kind of leaning on is there any like literature or or anything like even Mm -hmm. websites things that you recommend firstly I first thing I'd recommend is if you can just pull your chart up and you can go on AstroSeek or Cafe Astrology and just pull up your chart if you've got your birth time and don't you don't need to go diving in straight away especially if it's the first time that you're looking at it I do have some free resources on my website as well, and you can check those out, giving you an indication of the signs and some key themes in the signs and the planets. But I would really recommend that you attune yourself to your inner experience. And rather than put all of your weight on things externally, how do you feel internally? And understanding, okay, so if you're going to take Mercury, for example... And Mercury, the way that you think, the way that you communicate. Now, I'm a, I'm a Cancer Sun and Cancer Mercury, both in the 11th house. And understanding my inner experience and the ways in which I communicate has been the fundamental part of it. Not just what something is telling me or reading something about the individual sign, but what is my inner experience? So if you can start there, And just begin to know how you're feeling and things that are coming up for you. Then you're really beginning to delve deeper into your inner workings. And as a result, you can align the information and to really dissect the information in which you're taking in from, let's say, for example, the um, astrological content or any research that you're doing. Which leads me on to if you're wanting to deepen your understanding, or even just start, I would 100% recommend, so I started with Night Light Astrology with Adam Ellenbus, and he does daily content, he actually comes out, if you're UK time, it comes out at 3pm every day, Monday to Friday, and (laughs) evidently I listen every day, and he offers insight into the astrological experience and the transits that are happening to help you to understand how to work with the energy rather than against it. And if you wanted to further your study, then you can have a look at the Astrology Podcast. And why has his name just gone from from my head? I don't know. But, um, oh my goodness, what's his name? You can send it to me afterwards and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, so yeah. The, the astrology podcast, he's, he's brilliant as well, and he, he does talks, and he goes into a deeper experience, and again, offers a lot of teachings as well. So, but just start internally, that's what I'd recommend, start internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's usually, usually the, 
the best place to start, right? <laughs> um, it's the best, well, but it's not the easiest place. And it's so easy for me and for anybody else to say, just look inside. <laughs> and I say this and it pisses me off when I say it sometimes because I know that I can say it so fleetingly. Mm. And I know my intention when I say it, but sometimes I'm aware of how it comes across as just look inside and if you look at your inner experience and that's not always easy for people and so just having grace with yourself wherever you are and whatever your experience is that it's okay if you find it difficult and it's okay if you need support and it's okay if you love the journey of inner exploration and your experience is your experience and it's right yeah I'm so glad you touched on that actually because that is something that I feel like oftentimes in the spiritual community, you know, um, it can really become very, you know, love and light or just like, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, um, yeah, it's frustrating sometimes when it, it kind of lacks mm. that other dimension that is so <laughs> necessary, you know, to mm -hmm. take into consideration. And that yeah. like spiritual work is, is not just love and light, right? Love and light is amazing, but, um, yeah there's there's so much more to it and actually I, I would yeah go on no I was gonna say I would argue that the experience isn't love and light it's, <laughs> it's it's shadow and it's it's darkness and it's really getting to the depths of your human psyche and your experiences that have brought you just to where you are and sometimes oftentimes they're not pleasant things to look at so I would genuinely argue that it's not a love and light experience. Mm, that is so real. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that kind of segues me into this concept that we've spoken about before um, that I'd love to just hear you speak about again on the podcast mm -hmm. um, about sacred rage, right? Yeah. Because that's something yeah. that also I think when, when you kind of, you know – enter onto this spiritual path, let's say, mm. you can very quickly start to suppress these sides of yourself and feel like, mm -hmm. oh no, this is low vibrational. Like I'm not gonna, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not gonna engage with these feelings. I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna ignore this part of myself <laughs> and mm -hmm. just feed into my higher self, blah, blah, you mm -hmm. know, which is, yeah, great. But if we ignore these other aspects inside of us and these feelings that are asking mm. to be felt, to be expressed, whether it's through creativity or just screaming, you know, at, on a mountaintop, <laughs> which I wish we mm -hmm. all had like our own personal mountaintop to do that. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I would love to, to hear you talk about what your journey with that has been like and um, mm -hmm. yeah, where, where you found yourself right now with your relationship to that, to that concept of sacred rage. Yeah. So when I first began my journey, I has gone through this awakening process of, oh, I'm connected with my spirit team and this is also new and it's airy fairy. And then I went into more of my shadow aspects and it was just like this regurgitation of rage that was coming up. And this was early on in my awake, well, probably a year, just less than a year after my first awakening. And then from there, it's been a journey. The journey then went on and I was like, oh, yeah, connecting with the higher aspects of myself, which was really important for me to do at that time. But... What I was actually doing as well, along the path over a period of time, was just trying to feed the higher aspects of myself. And then my rage and my anger and my authentic expression of what I was experiencing, it became like a dirty little secret. It became like something that I was trying to hide from everybody else. And... But when I look back, I can see my, I can see the vibration of, of myself as an energy, energy being just by looking at me. So I look back and whilst I was trying to hide it and trying to keep it as like this dirty secret inside of me that, oh my goodness, I have so much anger and so much rage. 
and so much resentment. And over time, with definitely a lot of emotional maturing and a lot of really just becoming grounded back in the authentic aspects of myself, I then began to realize that actually, no, these these parts of myself are just that sacred. And they all serve a purpose in my experience. And these feelings that I am having are showing me things about myself. They're telling me things about myself. And they're there to be witnessed. They're there to be felt. And they're there to be embodied so that I can move through this experience and just continue to live. So the the process of really allowing myself to just free myself from the, the chains of this experience, I spent a lot of time writing, a lot of time effing and blinding, a lot of time just screaming and allowing the just it to come through me and kickboxing, boxing, exercising and doing things that are healthy coping mechanisms to support this energy to exist but also to be released in a healthy way Mm. yeah no absolutely and I I also like this concept of how you know when one of us starts our healing journey and actually starts to deal with these feelings and Mm. um these um you know sometimes heavy generational trauma that that we carry we are actively also healing our ancestry. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's another really beautiful way of actually working with the ancestors is to acknowledging Mm -hmm. these feelings because sometimes they do feel so much larger than our existence, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I've certainly felt that way since I was a little kid. I remember just having these overwhelming feelings and I'm a mm. small child, like doesn't make any sense yeah. <laughs> that I'm like feeling this like incredible just amount of um, of sorrow, for example. Like that's been a, a common theme throughout my life. Just very easily I've been able to tap into this like deep grief and sorrow, mm-hmm. even though, you know, even, uh, even as a child, I, d- I didn't necessarily have um a reason for feeling those feelings so profoundly Mm -hmm. um but yeah I think that by by acknowledging them and and you know just working with them and uh, observing them and uh, and allowing yourself to channel them in in different ways like for me songwriting has been a huge Mm -hmm. huge tool for me to kind of alchemize those feelings and those experiences and um, yeah, I, I really like that I, that thought of of that you know us undertaking that work is also healing our ancestry at the same time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And you mentioned obviously your songwriting as well, and creating and allowing that to be expressed through art. I genuinely, there's nothing more than I love than if I'm listening to rap music. And when I'm listening to the the lyrics and I'm really feeling and seeing and hearing the voice behind the lyrics and where that's coming from in that person. And it makes me think of you have turned your pain into art and you have spoken this art and you've, you know, you've sang or you've rapped or whatever. And or even even if it's just written or or you've painted something, you've alchemized something that was such a weight on your experience and you've made something which is new and whole of that and for me there's nothing more admirable than somebody choosing to alchemize something that can really weigh on your spirit and creating such profound art with it to then help and support and guide and even just share that insight and that experience with other people so that they also don't feel alone yeah I do I do love that um that aspect of creativity Mm. 
it's it's just such a beautiful powerful tool and even when we you know when we feel like what we're creating might not be like the most um profound <laughs> piece of work yeah. or whatnot like uh, for me for example there was a time when you know i've always had like very sensual music mm-hmm. and um sexual music as well and there was a time where i just didn't really quite understand why i kept making music like that and i was like oh mm-hmm. you know i don't know if this is silly if this is this just isn't deep enough but it was something mm-hmm. that came to me so so naturally and ever mm-hmm. since i've really started thinking about this concept of you know alchemizing and, and healing through ancestry it makes mm-hmm. so much sense you know that i am finally in a position in my like generations of women that have been um oppressed and not allowed to embrace their sensuality or sexuality fully i am in mm-hmm. a space where i'm able to do that you know and i am able to um to be that person in my in my lineage that you know is mm-hmm. what or one of them that is allowed to fully step into that part of myself and it just reframed the way i i looked at it completely of just understanding that okay this is actually um you know because songwriting for me is is a form of channeling <laughs> and so yeah. i actually feel like there's been so much repressed sexuality and sensuality in in my um ancestral lineage mm-hmm. that is just like wanting to come through me <laughs> now yeah and when I'm when I'm songwriting and channeling there's just this energy that is so much greater than than me (laughs) yeah you know yeah um and so yeah it's a really it's a really interesting thing to work with with your creativity even when it seems like Mm -hmm. it's not super profound or like it's not like Mm -hmm. the deepest of the deep it can still be incredibly profound um yeah, we just have to reframe how we think about it and really start to to look at it um, from that perspective and, and from that bigger picture almost. Mm, That's where oh, we yeah. can kind of glean these insights. And it's really, it's really just a beautiful experience to kind of reframe and um, be open to interpreting, you know, these aspects of it. Yes, and... A hundred percent. Do you mind if I share one of your astrological placements? It's Go your, for it. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a Taurus Mars. And so the, when you're talking about you're creating through this, you, you, this like essential experience and you're, that's what your right, your songwriting is. And you've got a cancer sun and Mercury as well. So when you're saying that immediately, I'm, I'm really just trying to attune to the, the senses, obviously, Taurus being and the emotion with the, the cancer and how that is being channeled through your experience, through the action which you're taking. And I don't know what house it's in, but it wouldn't surprise me if you had it in the third house either. And so, obviously, uh, c- communication as well. So, all of these, this is why I like to look at the astrological alignment. And when you're talking about the it's like your ancestors are repressed, repressed sensuality in your ancestry line. And is that all wanting to come through you? And when I, I think of that, and I think when the universe has a will, then there will be a way. And sometimes, completely just lost my train of thought there, but the universe will, the universe will find a way. The universe will find a way where something is meant to be healed, where something is meant to evolve, then something will come along on the on your path. And sometimes we forget that we are the, the missing key, that the things that we are so passionate about, that is because it resides within us. And that is because we have the capability to make the change. And that is what we can do. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. It's so beautiful. You always have such beautiful insights. I just love talking to you. Um, But we are going to be wrapping up soon. But before Mm -hmm. I let you go, please let people know where they can find you and also what services you offer and how people can connect with you or work with you. So you can find me on my website. It's uh, nataliesjsmith.co.uk or head over to, well, all of my socials are Natalie S.J. Smith as well. 
and I have free resources on my website. I have an abundance of resources on my blog, which is Natalie SJ Smith 111. All the links are on my bio, and I'm sure there's probably going to be some on this as well. And the services that I offer, I offer spiritual alignment sessions. So I offer one-off sessions and package sessions and long-term long-term coaching sessions as well to support you on that journey of inner transformation and supporting you in getting back in tune with what is what is who is who are you and unraveling those limiting beliefs and making those conscious steps forward so hope that we can connect and I'd love to have you over on my socials and on my blog and yeah just be great to connect yeah, absolutely. I recommend it so much. And your newsletter is um, is a really beautiful, beautiful offering. So I really recommend people signing up to that too. And I'm going to put links to everything you just mentioned um, in the show notes and also all the other good stuff that we talked about in this episode, like the mm-hmm. meditation to, for connecting with your ancestors and other things that Natalie mentioned in this episode. It's all going to be in the show notes. So, yeah, thank you so much for this conversation, Natalie. <laughs> thank you so much for bringing me on to your podcast. And I'm so grateful that I get to have these conversations with you. And Absolutely. I get to share this insight with people as well. Yeah, me too. Me too. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for walking the purple path with us. As always, you can find links and resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes. If you enjoy this episode, feel free to share it with someone you think might benefit from it or tag me on Instagram at Music and let me know what you thought of it. I love hearing from you, so thank you in advance. If you want to support this podcast so we can keep it completely ad-free, you can head over to patreon.com slash thepurplepath and subscribe at the $3 level for more content and support on your journey. I do another weekly recording over on the Patreon for anyone who wants to hear more from me, and you will also have access to Patreon bonuses for every episode of The Purple Path, including guided meditations, giveaways, PDFs, events, personal stories, and of course the chance to chat more with me directly as well. You can also leave a review on iTunes for the chance to feature in an upcoming episode. I'm going to read every single one, and I would love to hear how people are receiving this podcast. I am so grateful to you for sharing this space with me. Thank you, and be well.